The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines, the commercial airline the U.S. military trusts to perform maintenance on its aircraft. Learn more at deltatakingaction.com. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 13th. In today's news, President Trump plans to fire the Secretary of Homeland Security as soon as this week. One of Roger Stone's best friends says he's about to get indicted by Bob Mueller for lying to the FBI. And it's official. Amazon's second headquarters is coming to Crystal City and Queens. But first, the big idea. Democrat Kirsten Sinema was declared the winner in Arizona's Senate race last night, narrowing the GOP Senate majority back to 51-49 with two races outstanding. She is the state's first female senator and our nation's first openly bisexual senator. She'll join Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin, who's openly lesbian and just won her second term in Wisconsin. Colorado also just elected the nation's first openly gay governor in Jared Polis. Here's Cinema giving her victory speech on Monday night. I am so honored that Arizonans chose our vision of a better Arizona. And now it's time to get to work. Arizonans had a choice between two very different ways forward. One focused on fear and party politics, and one focused on Arizona and the issues that matter to everyday families. A three-term congresswoman, Cinema was once a spokesperson for the Green Party, but she repackaged herself as a moderate to win in a purple state like Arizona and overcame tens of millions in negative attack ads focused on her liberal record. She committed to pursue a bipartisan approach in a race that hinged mainly on the issues of health care and immigration. She wound up winning by almost two points after all the ballots got counted, She'll replace Jeff Flake, the Republican who was ran out of the race by President Trump. It has been 30 years since Democrats held a Senate seat in Arizona. The big question now is what happens to the state's other Senate seat? John Kyle was appointed to replace John McCain when he died, but he said he'll be a short timer. All the speculation in Phoenix right now is that Kyle will resign so that Republican Governor Doug Ducey, who just got reelected, can appoint McSally to that seat. Ironically, this would mean McSally, after losing this year's hard-fought campaign, would have more seniority than Cinema and become Arizona's senior senator. But McSally would then have to run for re-election in 2020. Speaking of McCain, Congressman Jason Lewis, a Republican from Minnesota who lost his re-election bid last week in the south suburbs of the Twin Cities, wrote an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal that ran on, of all days, Veterans Day, blaming McCain for Republicans losing the House in the midterms. In the piece, Lewis makes a novel-slash-bizarre argument that McCain's famous thumbs-down vote last year against the repeal of the Affordable Care Act doomed Republicans. Lewis argues that McCain's vote made it more difficult for Republicans to counter Democratic claims that GOP lawmakers would do away with protections for people who have pre-existing conditions. The catch, of course, is that if Republicans had actually succeeded in passing that bill, i.e. McCain had voted the other way, they would have done just that. Megan McCain, the senator's daughter, called the op-ed abhorrent. In her victory speech last night in Arizona, Cinema promised to try to serve in the mold of John McCain. Senator John McCain stood for everything we stand for as Arizonans. 
fighting for what you believe in, standing up for what's right even if you stand alone, and serving a cause that is greater than oneself. Senator McCain is irreplaceable, but his example will guide our next steps forward. He taught us to always assume the best in others, to seek compromise instead of sowing division, and to always put country ahead of party. Two other quick updates on uncalled races. Bill Nelson is pushing Rick Scott to recuse himself from overseeing the recount for the Florida Senate race as a judge who was appointed by Jeb Bush rejected a request from Scott, the Republican, to seize voting machines and ballots in Broward County, ruling that there's no evidence of voter fraud in the heavily Democratic area. Meanwhile, Scott pressed ahead with plans to travel to Washington on Wednesday for new member orientation activities. And in Georgia, another federal judge delayed the certification of that state's election results until at least Friday. Democrat Stacey Abrams is holding out hope that she might be able to force a runoff against Republican Brian Kemp in the governor's office, but the returns are making that look more and more difficult. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump is telling advisors that he plans to remove Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen possibly as soon as this week. The president has grumbled for months about what he views as Nielsen's lackluster performance on immigration enforcement, and he canceled the planned trip for this week with Nielsen to visit U.S. troops who he deployed to the border in South Texas. Nielsen has been reluctant to leave the administration before reaching her one-year mark as secretary, which is coming up on December 6th, but colleagues say she's just been miserable for months in this job. She hates having to meet with the president, and she finds it exhausting. Nielsen's departure, though, would leave a leadership void in the government's third largest agency, which has 240,000 employees and a $60 billion annual budget. Typically, the deputy secretary of DHS would be in line to replace her as acting secretary. But the job has been vacant since April, and Trump hasn't gotten around to selecting a nominee for that post either. For a permanent replacement, Trump is searching for a secretary who would share his nativist views and be unflinchingly loyal in pursuing an anti-immigrant agenda. There is speculation that Trump could attempt to nominate Chris Kobach, who just lost the Kansas governor's race but he might have trouble getting confirmed, even by a Republican Senate. Now, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly is fighting hard to stop Nielsen's pending dismissal. She was his deputy when he was DHS secretary, and the two remain close. But Kelly's future in the administration is also shaky. Number two, conservative author Jerome Corsi, who has ties to Trump ally Roger Stone, said he expects to be indicted by special counsel Bob Mueller for lying to investigators. Corsi, a writer who has promoted political conspiracy theories, he was the guy behind the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth campaign against John Kerry back in 2004, handed over a steady stream of information about Hillary Clinton during the 2016 campaign to Stone, with the understanding that it would go to the Trump campaign. Mueller believes Stone or someone close to him was the go-between that might have facilitated coordination or at least communication between WikiLeaks, which was taking information from Russian military intelligence that was illegally stolen in an effort to deny the election to Hillary Clinton, and the high command of the Trump campaign. Corsi told listeners on Monday on his daily live stream web program that he turned over two computers, 
all his emails and other communications to Mueller, and he sat for six interviews, totaling more than 40 hours since first receiving a subpoena two months ago. But Corsi says his cooperation has, quote, exploded on him in recent weeks as Mueller's team told his lawyers that he will be criminally charged for perjury. Stone said in a text message last night that he still hasn't been contacted by Mueller's team. That's a bad sign for Stone. He said his attorneys have fully reviewed his communications with Corsi and he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Stone then appeared on the InfoWars website Monday evening and said that, quote, perhaps they have squeezed poor Dr. Corsi to frame me. Number three, Amazon will split its second headquarters and up to 50,000 new jobs between the Crystal City area of Northern Virginia and Queens in New York City. A formal announcement could come as early as today. The decision hands Virginia Governor Ralph Northam and local leaders the largest economic development prize in a generation. But it could also put pressure on this region's already steep housing prices, congested roads, and the yawning divide between wealthy and low-income residents. It also represents a big victory for New York Mayor Bill de Blasio and Governor Andrew Cuomo, who just got reelected. Cuomo has joked that he would change his name to Amazon Cuomo if he could land the project. Now he has. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 13th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.